3: All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. This is the tailgate. We get you ready for Oklahoma and Louisiana Monroe with a busy guest list. Coming up later on in the program, you'll hear from Ty Darlington, the former Sooner captain who has now joined us at Soonersports.tv. We'll also learn a little bit more about what to expect as a fan coming into the stadium. Kenny Mossman, Associate AD, will join us and we'll go inside what went wrong and what could go right with Sooner beat writer from the Tulsa world, Eric Bailey. That's all Coming up on the tailgate, but as always, let's start with the latest news and boomer bites. You can always check out the latest Sooner information on Soonersports.com or make sure you follow us on Twitter at OU underscore Athletics. Tonight is a big night for the Sooner volleyball team as they open up their Nike Classic. And then throughout the rest of the weekend, it's all the volleyball action you can possibly take for Santiago Restrepo's undefeated volleyball squad who sits at 7-0. and It's UTSA tonight at 7 o'clock. It's Ohio tomorrow night and then Saturday afternoon A noon tilt with Lamar. We'll have complete coverage on all of those games at Soonersports.tv as OU Volleyball takes part in the Nike Invitational. Congratulations to Audrey Offer, named the Big 12 Player of the Week, for her performance this past weekend in the Sooners four-match sweep in Little Rock, Arkansas. So tonight it's UTSA, tomorrow it's Ohio, and on Saturday at high noon, it is Lamar. Sooner soccer is getting back in action in Oklahoma but they're in Tulsa to take part in the Tulsa Classic. The squad will take on Tulsa tomorrow night at 7.30. You can follow that game at TulsaHurricane.com. And then on Sunday, we'll have live stats for you at sooner Soonersports.com as Oklahoma takes on Memphis. The Sooners bounced back from a two-match losing streak to beat George Mason on Sunday 4-0. They currently sit at 3-2-1 and on the season. They're back home on Friday, September 23rd for their... Conference home opener against TCU at six thirty, and the men's and women's golf team both in action this weekend. For women's golf, they'll take place in the Branch Law Dick McGuire Invitational. That's at Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we ran into Ryan Hibble yesterday, and the team had a great time. Didn't play their best golf this past weekend at the Carmel Cup at. Pebble Beach, Cali- in Pebble Beach, California at the Pebble Beach Golf Club. They finished 5th, but they'll get back at it this weekend in the Gopher Invitational which will take place in Independence Minnesota at the Windsong Farm Golf Club and then it's off to the Colonial Country Club for an October 2nd tournament which is the Nike Collegiate Invitational. So business starting to pick up around town what do you say we dive right into a little OU Louisiana Monroe preview with our special guest of the week. We start with Ty Darlington. What stood out to you as the area that needs the most improvement after game one?
1: Uh, obviously, you've got to be a lot more balance and offset. But I think that's, that's the key. Um, when we've lost games, since Coach Riley's come here, this is obviously now with 14 games now, but uh, with the, the games that we've lost, it's because they all have a common theme. I think we've rushed between 60 and 75 yards, these are the three losses. Um, so when we run the ball well, nobody can stop it.
3: I think that people will pigeonhole former offensive linemen and just ask offensive line questions. So, uh, Ty, I hope you don't accuse me of doing that here. But I did kind of want to get your assessment on how you felt that interior, of that offensive line performed. Obviously, Jonathan filled in for you a bit whenever you were injured last year. There is new guards on each side of him, but the same guys at tackle. Overall, how did you feel like game one went for that new crew on the interior?
1: Um, honestly, like, I, I turned the thing on. Uh, on what, Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, and expected it to be a lot worse. Uh, I think there were definitely some positives. I mean, it's got to be better, obviously, because the, the bottom line is you got to own it. And that, uh, you know, 70 rushing yards, four sacks, that is what it is. Somebody's got to take responsibility for it. But I thought there were some positive things. John Alvarez played really, played pretty good at center. Um, then the two guys returning tackles had really good games. Orlando had really one bad play where he gave up a strip sack. Uh, which cost us but uh, other than that he played well uh, the guy the other guards on the interior didn't play badly they had a, they each had a couple you know, a couple of pretty bad plays but overall um, didn't play terrible games it definitely seemed a whole lot worse uh, I- and-
3: Yeah, and I think fans don't – this isn't a knock on anybody, uh, but I don't think that there is that true film breakdown that most fans do to where they go and they're, like, really looking at the X's and O's of it like you can tie. I think they just see Baker pressured here or there or the running game not getting going, and automatically the initial knee-jerk response is, well, the offensive line wasn't very that good, which didn't play that well, which I don't think could be further from the truth. I didn't think the offensive line, as you just brought up, really played that poorly at all.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it, it's a combination. That's why, it's, you know, it's, it's the ultimate team sport because everything's got everyone's got to work together on this. You know, when we get a, when we get sacked, like it's, it's sometimes it's blatantly the line fault. and Other times, it's a combination. So the o line's got to be able to give him however much time he needs. So the baby got to get the ball out on time. The receiver's got to get open downfield. So it's a full it's a full group thing. Um, they brought a lot of pressure, a lot of blitzes. and for the most part, we we picked it up pretty well. There were not many missed assignments. Um and that type of thing. But obviously, if he needs six seconds, we got to give him six seconds. So we we got to make him feel comfortable back there in the pocket.
3: I read everything you write, Ty. I'm a fan. Uh, I was a fan from the time that uh, you stepped on campus, and I realized you uh, you were a much different cut as far as an athlete and a student athlete than I'd ever seen before. And I just finished up this morning at tydarlington.wordpress.com, the article about identity crisis. And and I'm and I'm curious, and I, I I don't I don't know if there was a genesis for this article, or if there was a moment where you saw something that said, "Hey, something needs to be laid out here," but is part of this also what you've seen on social media? And and how people react to a loss and how people treat yeah. uh, athletes. I mean, because when I read this, I'm like, wow, this is a dude that's seen that evil that is Twitter out there.
1: Yeah, it, it comes from... That's, obviously, that's not something that I just thought of, you know, this mm-hmm. week. I thought it was very pertinent this week because of the loss, but it's something I've struggled with for a long time, you know. And it's from within and from without that as athletes, you know, you get caught up on, so caught up on how you play and it becomes the only thing you really care about in your life sometimes and that pressure... Uh, gets to you and then on the outside you know I think athletes get frustrated by fans that don't really view them as as more than just um just the jersey number or just a position player don't see them for more than what they do uh on a football field so yeah and especially after a loss I think it's it's important to on both sides of that remind the athletes that it's not the end of the world that you're more than you know what the the scoreboard result from a disappointing Saturday uh loss um, and remind the fans that, hey, these guys that you're going, that you're going after sometimes pretty vividly. Some of the things that you see on Twitter, I think most fans are, you know, are generally pretty good people, but there are some people out there that really take things too far um, and make things very personal and say it's pretty hurtful. Um, so you'll do you learn to let that wash off your back. But I think for both the entities of that, you know, whether you a player or as a fan, you're reminded that you know, there's, there, there's more to life than football and there's more to your identity than who you are as a football player.
3: Ty, how important after a tough loss, and, and and this is just in general it's important, but maybe even more so after a tough loss, to have that good leadership? How good, how important was it last year whenever there was Ty Darlington and Eric Stryker and the Charles Tappers of the world to get things right after the tough loss to Texas? I mean, leadership is needed, I, I think, more than you can ever imagine in that locker room whenever you're bouncing back, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. So I
1: think that was so crucial last year, you know. Um, having a group of guys that had a really firm world on the team. Um, they really understood what it was that we needed to do, I and mean, they were willing to push people, and they were willing to call people out, and they were really uh, sort of took it on their shoulders to, to fix the problem, and not wait for the coaches to fix the problem, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I think that obviously there's not the same leadership experience mm-hmm. this year that there was last year, but that does not mean for a second there's not the same leadership potential. So I think we're going to find out a lot about this leadership group this week and in the weeks to come.
3: Ty Darlington is our guest. Uh, does it do much for the players whenever you look out there and things are completely different, new scoreboard, new bold in end zone? How much of a difference or an impact does that make on the guys on the field?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, when you start playing football, it's football. It doesn't matter if you're playing in a parking lot or a rec center or wherever you're at. Football is football. But as far as the anticipation for the game and getting you excited to play, um, that is – That's pretty awesome. You know, I remember, I mean, the first time that I ran out on Owen Field, um, I was definitely in awe. Um, And just so these guys, these guys, especially the young guys and stuff, and guys, for this, it's sort of like a, it's like your first time all over again uh, (laughs) with these running out onto this field where it's, you know, it's going to look so different. It's going to, the atmosphere is going to be pretty cool. Um, It definitely spices up. Uh, a game that you know otherwise would be definitely sort of uh, one one that would be hard to get up for
3: is there something in particular that you're looking forward to most with the renovations this weekend timing for me I'm intrigued to see what it's going to sound like whenever you get 80,000 plus in there and it's bold in is there anything for you that you're kind of looking forward to the most this weekend
1: yeah, I think that you hit on it. I want to see like acoustically, like what it does to uh, what it does for the sound, you know? Because I, especially after Tennessee last week, and that's actually i probably going to make my next uh, my next front centerpiece next week about the impact that fans can have on a game. Uh, I learned last year at Tennessee um, just how loud it's capable of being and how that can affect the gameplay. Um, so I want to see, especially sort of a, a test drive for Ohio State, how loud can this place get? And we did louder than it was before with it being rolled in?
3: Hey, hey, final thought, Ty, before I let you get back to your day, uh, I saw an interesting quote from Matt Romar where he said he felt like I believe it was either the Monday or the Tuesday practice was the hardest practice that he's ever been a part of. From your history and how Coach Stoops handles losses, is it been different? Is it sometimes hey we got to grind away? Is it sometimes hey we got to study more? Is there a kind of a different uh, approach that fit a different team, or was it pretty much the same throughout and trying to gut your way through adversity?
1: I think that he's been. I've been very impressed with his consistency as a coach in the way that he deals with uh, tough situations and losses in particular. That you know he's never lost back-to-back games in his in his time here. Uh, I don't think that's gonna that's gonna happen now. Um, and he and he does a great job of you know not uh, dramatizing why we lost. I think and getting back to the basics and and sort of doing a good job of isolating like what it is that the problem is without like you know making the big emotional. To do you know? I think that uh, in the past when we've lost games, it's know it's been a refocus. It's been a, a, a gut check, and those practices after definitely get ramped up a little bit. Um Especially you know, last year we lost the Texans. Why did we lose? We lost because we weren't we weren't the more physical team. So you you, you think those practices were physical? And next week, absolutely they <laughs> were. I have a feeling that these practices this week have probably also been pretty physical.
3: So from Ty Darlington, let's uh, get after it with Kenny Mossman, who without a doubt is one of the uh, smartest sharpest dudes I've ever met. And we share, obviously, that same passion for Sooner Softball. He, of course, is the administrator for Sooner Softball. But let's talk a little bit more about making your entrance and exit easier. On game day, joining us right now is the Senior Associate AD for External Operations for the Sooners. He is Kenny Mossman. Wonderful follow on Twitter, at Kenny underscore Mossman. So the excitement level, can you even begin to put it into words to unveil uh, this this brand new South end zone, all the hard work that has gone into it, Kenny, all the hard work that will continue to go into it even after game one and throughout this season. I mean, what what's the excitement level like for you right now?
4: The, the excitement level is is off the charts for us because if you remember the the goal here was really twofold. One was to provide our student athletes with the best possible training environment. And the second was to provide you know an unforgettable fan experience. Well, we're only, halfway uh, to that goal now but it's it's the one that involves our fans and so that's exciting and so uh, getting a chance to get them in the stadium on Saturday and have them experience uh, the new facilities the new premium space uh, the new concourses all of the all of the new bells and whistles that go with this from our perspective is very exciting I think a lot of us will probably just be standing in that south end zone area just to watch the expressions and, and hear what people are saying
3: I am, uh, for those of us who have obviously worked on campus, we've had a really unique perspective, Kenny, because we've watched this every day. We've seen every single improvement that's been made. We've seen every single change. I, I'm trying to think of it from the fans' perspective who left here after that TCU game and hasn't been back. I mean, I, you follow it online, but it's such a different world whenever you're standing here and you see everything, isn't it?
4: yeah it really will give fans a, a much different perspective I know that this the whole project has been very well covered through photography and video but uh you're right when you stand in it it's entirely different you don't you'll have a sense for how much larger the concourses are um uh, how much uh, nicer the premium space is you know there's two clubs there uh, one thing that hasn't been uh, talked about a lot is there are actually two walk-in stores that are now going to be available in the South end zone. Now don't, don't get the idea that, that they're a large department store, but, but they're they are walk-in stands where you can walk in and, and buy a t-shirt or a cap. And, um, and so the amenities are just, are, are, are just much nicer. The concession stands are obviously new, large, bright. Now, two of those are actually inside the stadium bowl itself. So you can stand in line and still watch the game, not on a video screen, but actually watch the game. And, uh, so, yeah, it's a lot different when you get in it. I think that's what fans will, will notice. I think they probably feel like, hey, I've, I've seen this. I've seen a lot of photos of this, but, but it won't compare with what they'll experience when they actually stand in it.
3: Kenny, I, I know that when we were training text messages earlier, uh, you, were, you were dead on. It's kind of hard to explain it, and maybe it's more of a visual thing, but... The, the, the changes in entrance and, and exit from the stadium, they're not as massive as you might think. The bigger challenge might be for those that typically travel down I-35 and exit on Lindsay. That's closed. There's an area of Lindsay that's closed. It might be more getting into the stadium from, say, your typical path that you've taken than once you actually get near the stadium because there are some changes, but it's not as drastic as people might think, Right.
4: No, that's true, and I think if, if fans will, uh, the the best practice, and, and I know it's harder for some fans than it is for others, but the best practice is to enter on the side of the stadium where your seats are located. That that will ease your entrance dramatically, so if, if you are parking west of the stadium but your seats are on the east side, do yourself a favor and make that walk around the outside of the stadium and then come in one of the east gates. I think that, that makes it a lot easier, so... Uh, just enter on the side where your seats are. But you're right, traffic flow is different. Those of us who live in Norman right now have a have too good a feel for for what <laughs> has been going on here the last few months. And um, we're actually going to launch a, a hashtag that says "The sooner, the better." And so you need to get here earlier than you've got here gotten to Norman in the past. Uh, not only will there be uh, what you and I talked about here at the stadium that fans need to build in another 30 minutes to an hour to just uh, navigate through some of the traffic obstacles that are in place and make sure they give themselves plenty of time to get here and then come in and enjoy a brand new facility.
3: Absolutely. I thought I had all these shortcuts figured out and then whenever school got back in session I realized everyone had the same shortcuts I did to get through Norman. Uh,
4: You—you yeah. <laughs> you have yeah, it's difficult. But the Norman Police Department though has put out a pretty good map. Oh good. Um, we've got great information on Soonersports.com which also includes that map, but you could go to I think the Norman PD also has a website that will help with traffic flow. Um, but centersports.com, if you if you click on uh, the game link, um, you'll get a, a ton of great information that will make your experience much, much easier. And we've always got it linked right out on the front. It's called the Game Day Guide. If fans will go to centersports.com, click on that, um, keep it on their phones, uh, print it out, whatever, but that will answer 99% of the questions.
3: And inevitably, too, when you when you do check that out at Soonersports.com, there is always someone that doesn't realize certain items that are prohibited. So make sure, yeah, it, it's always updated. I know the NFL went with the uh, clear bag policy a couple of years ago, and yet I still I'll, I'll go to an NFL game and I see people that aren't aware of it. But there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of tools at your disposal, Kenny, at Soonersports.com for those that are coming to the game to help understand what you can and cannot bring in. And then as we've talked about, the ingress and egress, the best ways to get in and get out. It's an incredible resource that fans need to use.
4: Yeah, for what for what you can bring in, there's actually a, a clickable visual chart that shows you what you can and can't bring in. So um, it's an invaluable source, and you and I are dealing on an audio medium right now, so it's hard for us to explain it. But but that website is extremely visual, and it's it's got all the information on it. That, um, it, it we've tried to make it as easy as we can for fans to come into a – Eighty-five thousand fans to come onto one city block, and that's that's primarily that's that's what we're doing here. So, um, so we're trying to make it as easy as possible, and the fans will follow those. Very clear instructions I think it'll help their day
3: I, I think the best key the the one takeaway for anyone that's uh, that's coming down or coming in town or where wherever you might be traveling from and, and Kenny the hashtag will be out there and I hope people will take advantage of it. just give yourself maybe thirty minutes to an hour earlier than you typically left because again you you get here sooner you not only get to enjoy some of the cool things going on around the game maybe even get in the stadium earlier, but I think you'll be able to avoid any of the traffic hassles that might be out there as well too. It seems so simplistic, but I think it's just a a charge for everybody. Just plan a little bit earlier exit than you would typically have when heading home, uh, heading from home.
4: Well, we're all the same, right? When when we sit in traffic, our fuses start to get shorter, (laughs) we start to feel hurried, and uh, we feel like we're missing something. And so, uh, to your point, yes, that's the reason to arrive early. Just for your own peace of mind. Um, give yourself the extra time. And then when the delay occurs, you've built that into your day, and it's not going to be disrupting anything. So um, it's really just a, a matter of making making it easier on yourself uh, and leave that extra time. And, you know, there'll be more people in the stadium tomorrow than there have ever been too, Chris. So that's the other thing yeah. we've got going is you know, the capacity has never been this large before. So there are gonna, going to be more people here than have ever been in the stadium before. So not only are there the traffic uh, issues in Norman, but but you've also got uh, just more people that we're bringing into the facility now. So, you know, I, none of these are backbreaking. breaking They're all, it's an exciting time. We're, we're all thrilled to death. And, and all of these things that you and I are talking about are all very solvable. Uh, you just have to take a couple extra steps to make sure that, that it works comfortably into your into your game experience.
3: And we're doing our best to share as much information, not just here on this podcast, but soonersports.com at OU underscore athletics at OU underscore football. Everyone here to try to make it as uh, easy as possible. Kenny, before I let you go, uh, is there something that you're looking forward to more on Saturday than anything else? You know, I, it's kind of a token question we like to ask everyone, but uh, you've been here from the first renovation, which added the extra st- stands on, uh, what would that be, the west side or east side, excuse me.
4: On the east side. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and, and, and now to see the Bolden of the south, the new Jumbotron, the new video board, whatever term is best used now in this uh, in this new era of technology. What are you looking forward to the most on Saturday?
4: Two things, and they're a little bit related, but maybe not really. Uh, one is, I want to see what the volume level is like down yeah. on the field. Now that the field is enclosed um, and there's a there's a roof over part of that south end zone, I want to I want to hear what the noise is like on the field. The second thing is there is a new audio system, a new speaker system that's in the stadium. I think we've all known that's been needed for a long, long time, and uh, and we've been testing it, and it's it's incredible, and so I, I can't wait to hear it. You know, it's one thing to hear it when the stadium is empty. Every sound system sounds pretty good when the stadium is empty. When you put eighty five thousand in there. There are more bodies to soak up that sound, so we'll we'll have some some calibrating to do with it. But but those are the two things. I, I'm anxious to hear that brand new audio system, and I'm really really excited to hear how loud it's going to be down on the field.
3: Kenny, I'm uh, really excited and blessed. I got a chance to get you on today. Look forward to seeing you down on the field on Saturday, and uh, have a great rest of your week as we count down to kickoff.
4: Okay, thanks, Chris.
3: Hey, as we wrapped up, I kind of like to get a little bit of a different perspective on the podcast as well, too. With big thanks to Kenny Mossman. I can't urge you enough. At OU underscore football. At OU underscore athletics. com. Make sure you have all the tools at your disposal to make getting into the stadium easier for you and getting around Norman easier for you come Saturday whenever the game kicks off at 6 o'clock. But I wanted to get a beat writer's perspective. Eric Bailey's a guy that I worked with in Tulsa for the longest time. He writes for the Tulsa World. And I kind of wanted to bring on Eric to get his perspective on what stood out for the Sooners in week one and kind of in his opinion what went wrong in the loss to Houston? Houston really is a good football team and we knew that going in uh, and you know when you
2: seen some of the early lines how Oklahoma was a double digit favorite kind of just wondered about that too and I, I just think it was one of those games as it went on and as Houston stayed in the game and even took the lead right before halftime I think momentum really shifted uh, and we saw that in the second half but Oklahoma and, and the coaching staff from Coach Stoops Coach Riley, Coach Mike Stoops they all so they just didn't execute. There's things they could do better. Coach Riley said he left a lot of plays on the field. Wishes he, there were things he wishes he could get back. And I think that's the key: is uh, you don't want a wake up call. If you're in Oklahoma, you really never need a wake up call because you're Oklahoma. But I think they received one, and they're going to have to learn from it. And uh, really, the rest of the year, they're going to have to play flawless if they're going to re- want to reach all their goals.
3: Yeah, it's. Uh... It's not impossible, but I've said this a lot for those that want to start looking ahead to, all right, what does this mean for the Final Four? My thought is, Eric, let's just let's put a couple wins together. You'll be right back in the mix if you beat Ohio State in a couple of weeks. But from that perspective, it's okay to just think about short-term goals and making sure that everything is right against the Louisiana Monroe and you've got, you got that little swagger back heading into Ohio State. This looking past, you know, oh, well, when we're 11-1 or whatever, I think that's kind of crazy. But for some reason, fans love to do it.
2: Yeah, and you know what? They're going to have to play a lot better if they're going to string together 11 straight victories. That's going to be tough to do. And you're right—the coaches, the players, everyone—that really needs to have tunnel vision. They need to focus on Louisiana Monroe. Granted, you know, we look at the point spread; it's 44 points. It started open the week at 44, so that's a lot of points. But, but it's a week where they need to get better across the board. They need to do better on offense. They need to do better on defense, and especially special teams too. Uh, you want to come out of this game with a lot of momentum going into Ohio State. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anyone that's going to look past Louisiana Monroe toward Ohio State other than fans and the media because uh, this team they need to play better football they, they've had a they had a lot of high expectations going into the summer and during the offseason and uh, they need to fix things pretty quick
3: it's been interesting because, obviously, being down here, over analyzing it to the nth degree, and Eric, you've been a part of that as well, too. We're sitting down with Cale Gundy and Tim Kish today to tape the Coach's Corner. I listened to Bob's press conference last night, but it kind of speaks to the high bar, our coaches show, I should say, it speaks to the high bar that we have for a guy like Baker Mayfield. When he started, what, 11 for 11, he threw two touchdown passes, and yet you came away because he missed a couple of open receivers and maybe got a little happy feet that you look back and well, Baker really kind of struggled in the second half of that game. It really speaks to that high level of expectation that Baker Mayfield has set for himself, doesn't it?
2: Exactly. I mean, you look at his game. He had 11 straight completions that open his 2016 season, and you could already think Heisman, uh, Heisman hopes, and everything in in one half's time. That all diminished, and uh, you know, I give credit to Baker. He came in Monday during the press conference, and he really took responsibility for what happened. and uh, Coach Stoops you know, brought his name out, and and he Coach Stoops prefaced it by saying he never likes to, you know put the onus on players or throw players under the bus but he kind of let us know that baker needed to play better needed to make better reads, and and i think that's that was the common thread when lincoln riley spoke with us too is that there were so many guys that were open underneath but baker was impatient wanting to make the big play wanting to make things happen when he should have just took the stuff underneath and kind of uh just kind of chipped away at the houston defense instead of going for the big play i think it's a lesson learned it's a hard lesson learned but uh, it's something that they're going to take into next week and weeks to come.
3: I think you answered my next question, which was, what has been the vibe? Uh, Monday is obviously the coaches' press conference. Baker was the only player at the luncheon because some uh, some positional meetings were moved up. But then post-practice on Monday, post-practice on Tuesday, what's kind of been the consistent message you've got from the players that have talked and the coaches?
2: improvement. They just want to get better across the board and uh I'm you know, there's things I'd like to see on Saturday, just uh see if Oklahoma can run the ball more efficiently, can be more consistent even just with their run calls. And I think that's we've kind of worn out that topic. You know, when you see Joe Mixon and Samaj P Ryan combined for only twelve carries, it's you're not gonna win many games against good opponents. And uh, you look at three of those twelve carries went for ten plus yards. It wasn't like they weren't—they were struggling running the football. Uh, there were opportunities to run. So I really think you look at the offense trying to, to establish the run a little more. You look at the defense trying to find that cornerback. Who's going right. to be that guy opposite Jordan Thomas? And you look at Oklahoma football recently at the cornerback position. You had uh, Aaron Colvin and Zach Sanchez in games. You had Zach Sanchez and Jordan Thomas, and now you have Jordan Thomas and fill in the blank. They need to find someone that can be consistent that, at that position. You know, who will it be? You know, will it be Mickayah Quick? Are they gonna get I think he's gonna get some looks this week against Louisiana Monroe? Will it be someone like Parnell Motley? You know, who's gonna be over there on that other side opposite Jordan Thomas to kind of lock down guys and make things easier for the defense? All right,
3: thanks to Eric Bailey for joining us. And don't forget, we'll have the refresher for you on Monday morning with a complete recap of everything that's taken place in Sooner Athletics. So make sure you're subscribed on iTunes Search Sooner. Radio Network, or at Soonersports.tv slash podcast, and also on Digimedia. Until Monday morning, everyone enjoy OU and Louisiana Monroe, 6 o'clock kick on pay-per-view. You can learn more about the providers at Soonersports.tv, and also for free on the TuneIn Radio app. Download it today. Until Monday, have a great weekend, and boomer sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes
1: online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast.
3: And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. <laughs>